Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's good to be back, Kellen. The bot I put in my head to speak for me is malfunctioning. Sorry, I spoke like that. Yeah, that's okay. We're all good, man. We're back after a week off. Devin Booker is back after two weeks off. See what I did there? Segways, transitions. A pro, they say he is. So we last talked, as we begin these podcasts, we do kind of just, I do, uh, as the host of these proceedings, co-host of these proceedings, kind of look at the last game we talked about and go from there. Uh, Devin Booker missed seven games, and we talked after about three of those, I believe, which was Detroit-Golden State loss at Golden State, schedule loss pretty much, and then that home game against San Antonio where it kind of took a little bit of Chris Paul heroics in the last five minutes, and then... I think that that's some of what we talked about is needing other guys to step up in a way where they can control a game as opposed to like needing Chris Paul to do the thing in the last five minutes. And it, it, to start here, I guess, because I'm hesitating here to say this just because I think it's a really broad place to start, but this stretch went way better than we could have imagined, right? Or is that... Because I don't want to say it like that to not give enough credit to how good of a team this is already. But the way in which they kind of self, like they morphed on the fly um, into not a different team, but one that can be like, yeah, we have eight guys in double figures. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do Do you pick up what I'm putting down here? I think there's, especially when you know the team, like not saying I get bored of watching the Suns just because they look the same as last year, but I think... Even for them, if you force Devin Booker out of the lineup, it becomes like a giant, here's a key point in our season with a learning opportunity thing. Um, And I think that's good for them. And just whether you learn some bad things, whether you have trouble, whether you have success, I think there's still a lot more value in that than, what, if they had this stretch with Devin Booker and maybe even if they had won fewer games or more games, I, I just see a lot of value in it. So the way I'll phrase it is, the San Antonio game, the Detroit game, Detroit sucks. Um, Golden State loss, San Antonio, Chris Paul does things. Boston, Boston is a win, and this is the way that I described it, and the way in which I believe they won this game, and then the game before that as well. When teams have guys that are injured, there's a combination of factors that can really throw off a team, and we benefited from the process of watching a terrible team to see how quickly minor things can throw off a team. Because when you have a team that is still trying to figure out what it is, if you throw in missing players in the, into the mix or you throw in a first-year head coach into that process already, like what were the Celtics last year? We don't really even know. And they were coached by Brad Stevens still. And now they have a new head coach again. It's like, what are they now? It's like, we, we, still, we still don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. And the Washington Wizards are, we play really hard. We really want to defend first and foremost. But in that game, they're without Spencer Dinwiddie, and they're still a new team trying to figure themselves out. The Charlotte game, I I think that that was just a team not really showing up at all. 
But my whole point is in those three different situations, and especially I think the Portland game at the end of it, and and I guess the San Antonio win, all of these wins that they got without Booker are essentially coming down to they know exactly who they are. They just they they just know exactly who they are. And with that in mind, they're going to beat so many teams because of that. Yeah. It, I I'm really trying to not make it sound as simple as it is to say that like everyone else who thinks about this another way is stupid because there's obviously a lot of different ways to go about it, but I think sometimes sports in general can be really really simple in certain situations. And I thought this was a really simple factor of Monty Williams has a system. James Jones has gotten players that fit that system. They come in here. James uh, Landry Shaman and JaVale McGee, some guys are taking longer than others. JaVale, it took like five games. Landry, I think it's taken like 15 to 20, but I think he's starting to get there. Maybe not in the ways we expected necessarily, but in terms of like a concrete role that he's playing, I think he's gotten there for sure. And especially like defensively, passer moving within the system, I think he's there for sure. Um, Alfred Payton's the only guy lagging behind because he's playing a position, as we talked about on the last podcast, that he hasn't played like ever in his career. Um, but they're just gonna they're just gonna beat teams up now when when they're when those teams are going through stuff. Stat for you that I looked up of. Five man lineups have played a hundred or more minutes already together. Um, the Suns' best lineup is the starting lineup minus Book with Shamit. So, I mean, that was mostly in the past few weeks, right? So, are you saying the Suns are better without Devin Booker? How dare you? No, but <laughs> which they is did not skip a beat without him. It's just funny for long-time listeners because you're the guy who me and you argued Chris Paul or Devin Booker was better, and you convinced me eventually to go with Book after I was saying Chris for most of the year. Yeah, and now you probably could fight me again on it. I could fight you again on it, but I'm still, I think I'm still with Book like you are, but yeah. uh, keep going, sorry. No, I th- that stat stood out to me because, like, okay, Shamit's a completely different player, but like you were saying, you plug him into a spot you run the same offense, your defense, actually the defensive numbers were really carrying that unit as well. Yeah. Um, their defense was really good the past few weeks, and maybe they said, okay, books out, lock in. And to your other point about like continuity and all the teams that they beat who are still figuring out, I guess the Spurs don't count in that because I think that team's been pretty, the continuity's there, and that was a tough game. Um, but the only other team in that group that they've played was the Clippers who... Yeah, they lost some players, but they have a system. They have an identity, and they beat up on the Suns on a night where the offense was just like, ugh. Um, so I, I just think, again, going back to when we were predicting how this season would go, even if you said there's going to be a Devin Bookerless stretch or a DeAndre Aitlinless stretch, or if there's a Chris Paulless stretch, you expect a few of those here and there. Anything major, yeah, you don't put that in your predictions, but. That's why I thought like 60 games is not out of like some crazy bias. Like I watch this team too much and I just believe too much in this team. It's just when you have continuity, you know what you're doing. You can get over these blips that should be a bigger deal. The most telling part to me is the biggest weakness in them during that stretch, which was offense. Uh, clean the glass at some points. They have a stretch on their uh table where it's last two weeks of their like rankings and they have offense defense and for offense like they were in like the bottom five for some points during that without Booker which makes sense but I think that's just an argument of how even more impressive it is that they were able to win some of these games especially 
when we kind of go through like Detroit, pretty cozy, Boston, pretty cozy, Washington, pretty cozy. And they were like a mid-tier, low to mid-tier offensive team during this. I just looked this up like in that in the date of their seven game stretch, comparing it to every other team during those dates, they were middle of the pack, like 15 to 20 ranked in field goal percentage, three point percentage and assists. So they weren't. There wasn't like a lot of shots going in either. Like this wasn't like a case of oh Devin Booker's out and every shot's going in, they're getting lucky or whatever. It's like no, they're just like a well-oiled machine and they keep going. Devin Booker said that last night. He's like, what he was asked what he learned, and then he said like we're a really good team. The machine keeps moving. That's what he learned when he was on the bench. Like they just keep going, and they they've just got such an incredible advantage over most of the teams in the league now. I think that's like the main point and takeaway that I want to like emphasize here and I think is part of why despite some radio hosts making fun of us that we picked this team to win 60 games just because the machine keeps moving as the man said and that's what I expected this year is that I don't care that other teams are more aware that they're an awesome team now like the the machine keeps moving. I think the just going back to moving without book i thought the stretch i don't know javel was already playing well and like eddie johnson has really been pounding the table and i think he's right about best center duos in the league we could talk about that if you wanted but i was just gonna say i think campaign figuring out a little rhythm lately getting there he's been hit and miss but i think again i think it's good to have the misses when it's like okay we have to play you that game where mikhail didn't play down the stretch which game was that was that yeah that was the ot portland game where mikhail sat and everyone thought he was injured and i think that just there was one spot on the floor because i think there were two spots on the floor so Here's how I will explain it from my perspective of knowing how the Suns do things, knowing what they look at, and just going off of my opinion based on that, not knowing actually what the decision was. And Monty explained it to us, but it was like, okay. Mikel has played like 50 or like 45 minutes before in a game defending Dame. So I don't think it was just the defending Dame part, which is what he said for the most part. There were two spots on the floor. Campaign and Cam Johnson took them. One of them is Cam Johnson's role, which is if you get the ball, you better shoot it. If you have six inches of space, you better shoot it. Mikel was kind of hesitating that game and then the last couple of games. And then the other spot was if Chris gets blitzed, you better dribble this ball inside and move right away. That campaign like is the first guy on the team that will do that over anyone else. Again, Mikel's just kind of been hesitating a little bit. And Chris and Jay were defending Dame well. And I think that was kind of a thing where to your point during that game of like this is also a really good opportunity or just really good coaching by Monty in season to be like Cam you're going to figure your stuff up right now like you're going to figure it out right now in this environment and he played really well in those last seven minutes Um, and then also it's like the Chris and Jay thing like knowing when can I ask them to like defend him right now for like seven minutes of this game on a back-to-back can they do it and he felt like they could they did they did well enough, uh, and and they got there. And I think Dame, like, I remember just seeing his stats at one point. He was like eleven of twenty or eleven of twenty-one, and he finished like twelve of thirty-three or something. Like he he kind of wore down too. And that was I think that was just a good read by Monty. But yeah, that that's my explanation for kind of what was going on there. And to your point of guys figuring things out in that stretch, there are two guys that potentially wouldn't have been on the floor during a closing stretch if Booker was back it would have just been Booker Bridges probably because I think uh, that's probably what it would have been regardless but with 
book out. It changes the offensive dynamic. Another dribble guy. Okay, Cam's in there. We need another guy who's not going to hesitate to shoot right away. And I think Mikel can do both of those roles when he's fully playing 100% well. But he was just kind of in a hesitation funk the last couple of games. And I think Monty made the right call. Yeah, my interpretation of that. And again, this is like one of those, okay, maybe it's just a random throwaway weird lineup thing. But to me, it's like a an info gathering process for Monty at the very least. And at the very best, it's a great way to get your guys going. Um, and I thought it ended up being both. So that was also the second night of a back-to-back. Clippers game was the day before that. And to me, it was like, okay, I need Chris to stay on the floor longer. There's one reason. I, I can take some pressure off him by having campaign bringing the ball up a lot more. Um, with Chris still on the floor. Mikel wasn't really looking like aggressive that night. And yeah, you find out other guys who can defend Dame. And Cam Johnson was the other part where it's like he was getting a lot of open looks. And I know he didn't shoot super great, but he missed a lot of open ones. And I, I thought that was a really good opportunity to get those guys going, find out a little bit, and obviously to win where you can bench Mikel Bridges and bring him in like the very last play um that was a defensive play fresh um in overtime second night of back back so there were just a lot of things that went into that and I thought that was a really important part of this stretch yeah I'm glad we took it there with Mikel just to say further emphasize like when books out number one guy we probably bring up is Mikel just because the dribble stuff for the most part and then campaign we brought up Mikel last episode when we talked about it and it's like he didn't really uh play that well offensively during this stretch in terms of furthering his offensive role but it didn't matter because other guys stepped up anyway uh i wrote a pretty in-depth feature on cam johnson if you want to go read it i think the biggest points and takeaways there from it were just him talking about putting on weight he's from 205 to 221 now and he is someone i mentioned this to him and i wrote it in the piece where i was like i didn't see you for a year and a half like up close but like coming in and seeing you this season, like you are a different looking human being. Like you have had a physical transformation now. <laughs> Is that His how shoulder. you framed it to him? Yeah, he, he, I didn't hear that. He doesn't have the sedan ish Wainwright shoulders no, now, but no one he's does. but he's got pretty dang filled out shoulders now. Like even like his lower body too is like really like filled out and stuff. And it's just he's a he's a large human being now. He's in the something I've talked about a lot on this podcast is like they're the Harrison Barnes in this league now every team seemingly has a jeff green harrison barnes whatever rudy gay type where he is six eight or six nine or six ten he can guard three positions four positions he is strong enough to guard the strongest guys and he's quick enough to at least move with like some guards and that cam johnson is their guy that does that now money said that like six 12 months ago or something and i was like eh, i don't know about that and, <laughs> and then when now it's like no he was completely right it's like that he's their guy um, and then the other thing is we talked about this like pre-draft and for people who listen every week we've talked about it enough like he had two hip surgeries the year before um, he got drafted and he said like this goes back to high school for him where he was having the pain in high school and then the surgeries helped him out but he said he's still having month-to-month progress right now in his hips where he's still doing therapy at home like he'll go home from practice and still do some exercises and stuff at home and that was kind of the whole point of the story is like this dude works like really really hard there are 99 guys out of 100 in the league who were dealt his hand probably don't make it but he was like the one in 100 who was like yeah i'm gonna put on 20 pounds and be a guy who can guard fours and i'm gonna be a guy who doesn't let this hip like be a thing that 
like holds me back in any kind of way because we saw him listed with that injury in his rookie year a lot and then it went away insert a kobe white wow here Wow. do the editing, which is none on this podcast. but uh, 14.6 points per game off the top of my head when Devin Booker was out. That was second on the team. Uh, great sign from last night. He took 12 shots in 21 minutes. He joked. Didn't joke. He pretty much said that Chris Paul in the huddle one time said something along the lines of, and I can imagine the way the conversation went was like, Chris was like, keep shooting the ball, Cam. And then Cam's like, okay, like, yeah, I'll keep shooting. And Chris probably went like, no, take 17 yeah. <laughs> shots tonight. Keep shooting the ball. And he mentioned the number 17 specifically. And it's like, he's the type of guy who should be taking more shots than just about anyone on this team per 36 minutes because of the type of shooter that he is. He and Landry go into your bucket of like, I just remember, I th- I don't know if it was Dan Tony or Alvin Gentry would always get on Channing Fry like you passed up a shot why yeah the hell? yeah yeah <laughs> and like Channing would shoot like 10, 11 threes and then Alvin would complain to him after the game like well, you left four out there dude and like these guys are that good of a shooter and it's that important in the flow of things to the offense to have your shooters like ready to go like that so I, I think he's earned that and that's why like I don't. I know Eddie Johnson like wants to see people put mid-range stuff in and it's important in little bits and keeping defenses off but no nah, I Landry and him shoot as much as you want if they're not blocking it shoot I don't care shoot a 3 Last thing on the really good team part uh tidbit from last night this is the 8th time or JaVel McGee when he led the team in scoring with uh 21 points uh, in the win over the Celtics, that was the eighth different son to be the leading scorer for them in a game. He's done it th- in three of the last five games. JaVale McGee has been the highest scorer. In three of the Suns' last five games, Kevin, their leading scorer has had under 20 points, and two of those were wins, which were the last two games. They had nine guys in double figures against the Hornets, and I believe they had seven or eight against Washington. I want to say seven. Um and like again, like no one's scoring twenty points and putting up one hundred and thirty-seven points. That means you're definitely doing something right, and a lot of threes are falling. Uh, and that's absolutely what we saw. They are uh, an excellent basketball team, and this latest stretch was a um, was a confirmation of that. The Devin Booker update is that he looked fine. He said, "I asked him because you've had hamstring injuries before. What's the number one thing you focused on?" And the point that he basically made was like. It needs to be like not a thing. Like I don't need to think about it. I don't want to be like, oh, it still feels a little bit weird or whatever. Like he said, these are the kinds of things that can linger. So it was like, I'm making sure this does not linger and it's not a thing. And it sounds like it's absolutely not a thing. And if you saw a play last night where it looked weird or whatever, that was probably just him not being on the basketball court in two and a half weeks or whatever. And in another cool camaraderie, this team really gets along super well. When they were off on Friday, he actually went into the gym and called in the guys like Alfred, Ish, Jalen, Jarrett, Jack, like the usual group that'll play three-on-three sometimes at the end of practices, and they came in and they played three-on-three, four-on-four with books. So he could test out the hammy fully, see how he felt. He felt good, fully practiced on Saturday. Uh, he plays on Sunday, and it seems like everything's full full speed there. Uh, cool for him to not feel the need to push himself back too early uh, with the, again, the really good team part. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like we talked about, I think, last episode, it was just that's a little concerning when it keeps popping up and it's kind of the same injuries or area of the leg. But um, all you can do is take their word that they're taking it that seriously and 
wanting it to be a non-issue. So what are we looking at? Looking ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Looking ahead right now, Kevin. Uh, Your phone won't stop vibrating because more players have tested positive uh, for COVID-19 or have had close contact with someone who's had COVID-19 and they've been placed under the health and safety protocols. Uh, We're going to conclude the episode just kind of on this point. So if you don't want to hear about COVID for five, 10 minutes or however long we're going to talk about it, you can shut it off now. And I just want to give you that freedom as you choose, because I know, I know everyone wants to get away from this stuff. Like there's a really, really good limited series on HBO called station 11, but it's literally about a deadly flu virus. And I've been telling everyone about it, but also said like, if you watch this for two minutes, you're like, no, 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 not doing this. (laughs) Then that's completely fine. And I understand it. And I understand that too. If you close it off. Okay. You're still here. Hey, thanks so much for hanging around. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get too in depth with it, Kevin here, but I think basically what we're seeing is that sp- sports across the league are benefiting from having a system where they have regulated testing and they have testing going on all the time because the biggest problem, quote unquote, um, and I don't, I'm not speaking like a health expert here by any means, but Something that is coming up, I'll put it that way, is that there are a lot of cases that are asymptomatic. A lot of guys that are in health and safety protocols right now aren't feeling a thing. They feel fine, but they're popping up here and they're getting positive tests because they're getting tested all the time. Yep. So we're walking around all these people all the time. I'm sure I walked by dozens, not dozens of people, but a, a few people at the game last night who have it and they just don't know they have it because they're not asymptomatic, they're asymptomatic and they're not going to get tested because they're asymptomatic. Um and so the league's the league is running into this really interesting is a really weird word to use, but in this case, yeah. but an interesting problem and dilemma they have right now, and essentially seems like based on last night's news that they are going to for now push and force themselves kind of through it. And the reason I say that is because Sham Sharania had a report last night on these hardship players, basically. There's a hardship exemption somewhere in the CBA that I will not explain because I don't know it that well and I don't know the CBA nuances like some people uh, listening to this. But, uh, man, you basically get an extra spot on the roster if you need it. That's the best way to explain it. Um, And they are allowing teams to have more of these hardship players, essentially, if they are under COVID. Like, they're tweaking the CBA effectively to help this. But the way that Shams worded it is that teams will be required to add these hardship players under these pretenses. That means if you guys have eight guys out, great. You better have this many signed on your roster so you can still go out there and play. So for a game to get postponed under what is being talked about right now, based on last night's update, it would have to take like a roster just getting shelled, like the Bulls with like 10 or 11 guys out. Um, the Nets right now, I think, have eight or nine guys out. But if we're talking like five or six, it seems like with what the league is talking about, like we're seeing Marquise Chris get signed by the Mavericks. I think Tyler Johnson just got picked up somewhere. Yeah, I don't remember um, where. There are a lot of players now coming back into the league on this hardship exemption, and it seems like teams are going to keep going under this. Games are going to keep going under this pretense. That is how I took the news of the last 36 hours. Is that how you took it as well? Again, not a researcher person, but (laughs) yes, it is about money to some degree. The NFL has done a different thing where it's like if you have vaccinated players who are asymptomatic, they're trying to pull back the rules because they don't want to be like, you you have to stay away from the old rules for the team. Well, testing sucked too. JJ Reddick talked about this on his podcast. Like you would get back 
on a road trip at two in the morning and you would have to be in at your facility at like 7 a.m. for testing. And also, like, they weren't testing the on the vaccinated players daily, so they could be carrying it around and spreading it. We do not know what the testing period is right now for the league. Yeah. It is not daily. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. So every league's, I, I guess where I was going with that is every league's kind of handling it differently to play more games, which is obviously for money, right? Um, I don't know enough scientifically to go into arguments about, well... If this is becoming more like a common, a yearly flu thing where they're just at that point, maybe, I don't know. Um, I think it is good from the NBA's perspective back on that to, if you're gonna play games and not, I think it's good to have the hardship things because then you don't have to get into this gray area of do we cancel or do don't we um, if certain teams feel like they're being screwed and you just say, hey, here are the rules. You have to have this many players available so you don't hurt your players that you have healthy and run them 40, 44 minutes a night because you're low on players to win. Um, I don't think it was a coincidence that the Sixers and Heat struggled to find a rhythm last year after they got bombarded by COVID early in the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that And that's where the league is like, tough crap sign these players yeah and that's the decision they're making i i mean it's either i think that's a good move or cancel games yeah so i don't know um which canceling games would mean money back to your point yeah we're not there yet no so i don't know i don't know if we'll ever get there the the interesting part is just if you're the Suns, i this is why how this roster is built, I think, is interesting because this is unlike most teams where it's Book scored 16 points, came back, you know, not really stressed that he had a rough, I think he was like two for seven in the first quarter or something like that. It's fine. He played without him. If a couple of players go down, they'll, they have a full roster of guys who can play mostly. So if you have to throw in one hardship dude... I was thinking, like, is Jamal Crawford going to come back at some point? Like, oh, is people it are going to get come wild. Back. Well, I mean, this is a completely unforeseen development, Kevin. But this is a helpful time to have a G League team as well. Oh, Orlando yeah. just brought up like five guys from their G League team, basically because of what they're dealing with. This list is not updated in front of me. To your point of like the Suns getting through it, they are one of I believe right now there are seven teams left that have not had anyone enter health and safety protocols in December. Right now, the Suns are one of those seven teams uh the main issue that we're running into here kevin and again not scientist man talking so please take this with a grain of salt my interpretation of what has happened is after monitoring the way that players went into health and safety protocols how the virus was spreading through teams in that regard from that measurement standard of guys entering health and safety protocols or not we were not seeing anything close to this last year in terms of okay one player is in and then third and then like a day later it's half the roster is just in there and that's where the variants i think have really done their damage here and have just offered a different challenge to the league it's also it's i don't know if we mentioned this but it's also like if one or two guys actually get it and the contact tracing where you haven't been testing every day and then suddenly start upping the testing then suddenly you're gonna find it which is where the league has talked about uh there was a report from the athletic that was like the that the league has talked about and like someone has brought up the idea of players playing while they're asymptomatic yeah 
I mean, at some point, I don't know. I again don't know when the right time is, but at some point, it's going to have to be that way. <laughs> so, just like when do you scientifically cross that bridge? When do you? And I don't think it's anytime soon because there's a new variant, and yeah. we don't have the doctors don't even know anything about that enough to have certainty. So. I think the one thing that I can say from my perspective, at least, is it feels like we're back in April of 2020 again, where things yeah. are moving. We're no, not in like uh, doom and gloom necessarily, but just things are moving too fast for us to to prepare for and plan for and be definitive about. That's the that's the number one thing that I'm getting to. Yes, correct, because there's just too much happening right now at once and too many cases and too many decisions that have to be made right now and i feel like we'll be in a much better spot with it three to six months from now i also think that the league and other leagues have been very fortunate to not have a player yet develop uh, even like someone that's vaccinated develop severe symptoms spend time in an icu or in in like a horrible instance pass away which we're at, I believe we're at 800,000 deaths in the U.S. right now or something like that. So I'm just saying from that perspective, I think everyone's thinking would completely change from a perspective of like, why are we playing sports right now? If if someone passes away that that's an athlete in the league right now, there was the Red Sox pitcher who developed myocarditis. Yeah, um, in 2020, was it a Ravens player who was vaccinated and went to the hospital recently? Yeah, so that that's the closest I can think of. But yeah. And I think that's that's the I don't want to call it a shoe to drop because we're talking about like a really like substantial thing here, someone's life. But that's like the thing that I'm looking at and saying like, okay, like it feels like we're still if we're playing if we're playing this game, quote unquote, of just continuing the season these seasons through a pandemic. Um, and I'm not saying whether the leagues should or shouldn't, but we were like in like October, November. I remember a lot of the discussion being like, why are we even doing this right now? And yeah. and it, and I and I am still I am still in that mindset of why are we even doing this right now? Even if we have a lot of things, more things under control right now, and I do think that the thinking could change, and I've just been dreading the possibility of of that occurring. Um, but for now, I just think basketball is going to keep happening, and this was a conversation I wanted to hit on in the podcast, just because the league could we this could start impacting the Suns this week perhaps a lot of people speculated yesterday because the Hornets had I believe it was Cody Martin it was one of it's Cody Martin that's still in Charlotte right because they're separated now one of the Martins went into health and safety protocols I should know I'm sorry Martin twins but but to that regard it was something that happened the day of the game and people speculated like again because we don't know the testing window and all that kind of stuff it's like okay like do do other Hornets players have it are they going to pop up now does that mean they pass it to the Suns uh, the Suns have, avo- have avoided this for now, um, but it only feels like a matter of time right now with the with the pattern we've seen in the league that they're going to have someone test positive, and they have to hope for their sake that they're like some of these other teams that have avoided breakouts. There have been, oh man, this is something I shouldn't say off the top of my head, but I think like <laughs> it's been fifty fifty in terms of like mass like eight nine five four five six players. Uh, Minnesota's getting there right now because they just had two players added this morning. Um, the Lakers had like five or six earlier, but there have been a, a, a handful of teams that have had only like one or two guys. And also guys on there. I didn't look at Russ's, but Russ was there on protocols for a day. And that might have been close contact too. For yeah. Him. yeah. So it, it's really hard to judge. Did they even have it? Was that just being precautionary? Was it testing issues or legit? Did you get it and then you just test out because you're at the tail end of it or something? So. 
It's all very fluid. Here's the the replacement player stuff, by the way. NBA teams will now be required to sign one replacement player when they have two positive tests on the roster. For three positive tests, two replacement signings. For four positive tests or more, three hardship signings required. Which is, again, the league basically saying, like, you need to have a roster that is equipped to play, even if you have these positive tests coming in. So, we'll see, man. Um, Joe Johnson. Jamal Crawford. I just want to take this crappy time to see some dudes come back and have, like, a couple games of fun, but... That would be great, right? Like, I, there's obviously going to be a really cool feature someone writes in a couple months about everyone that was signed to hardships and the people that have uh, done it for the better. And there's going to be a can player, you activate Jared Jack? There's going to be a <laughs> there's going to be a player or two that like gets a league spot carved out off of this, which is going to be cool to see. I don't I don't know who it's going to be, but more opportunity for guys is always cool. But yeah, uh, for those that stuck with us through the doom and gloom, we really appreciate it. Um, just a conversation to have because there is a decent chance the Suns run into positive tests. There's a really good chance, actually. And then there's an unlikely but a decent chance as well that they run into postponements, potentially. So a conversation we had to have uh, for when uh, on the off chance that that doesn't happen, but for the decent chance that one of those things does happen in the next couple of weeks. Unfortunate. Unfortunate, uh, indeed. If you're listening to this before, I know you you can be listening to this whenever. Um, <laughs> I'm co-hosting Burns and Gambo on Tuesday from two to six p.m. local Arizona time. Uh, sorry, I can't say out every single time zone right now and what time that is for you. Figure it out. But you can go on the Burns and Gambo podcast feed, which I will be tweeting out tomorrow on Apple and Spotify, and the hours will be uploaded there. For people who just want to hear about the Suns, we will be talking a lot about the Suns and a lot about the Lakers, me and John Gambadoro. I will also have a one-on-one interview with Devin Booker that will be posted on the website. I will type up all the words that were said by both of us, and then (laughs) there will be audio there too. So whichever one you prefer, I will not be offended by what choice you make. You can go on there and check that out. Just always nice to get a couple minutes with him every year, it seems like now for the past like four or five, we've been able to do it. So that's been nice. You're going to have to talk Cardinals a lot. What's your hottest Cardinals take that will be said? You can tease it if you don't want to say it now. So I don't really have – we've kind of talked about like the Cardinals loosely on here, and I think people kind of have a decent yeah. idea of my Cardinals takes. But I think like my take is like that the Colts are the perfect team for them to play. Uh, my, my research here, Kevin, whoa, I'm, pre- I'm being prepared. Colts are number one in turnover differential. Uh, they're top t- – I think they're top five in points per game, despite the fact that they're – bottom third in passing yards per game because they just run the ball like crazy. Jonathan Taylor is an MVP candidate. They have saved him for this moment. He never broke more than 20 carries until week 10 or 11, I believe. His last three of his last four games, Kevin, he has gotten at least 29 carries. At least 29. Oh. And in those games, it's like 150, 183, and like 147. He has a touchdown in 11 straight games. So all of those facts presented to you, Kevin, are to say if the Cardinals want to prove they're a good football team they can beat this team because this is a team that will immediately control the game from them if they are if the cardinals give this game away for like two seconds in this game they're done they're done they're toast i proclaim it right the cardinals now. just lost to the lions who aren't good like so. if they're down 10-3 in the in the early second quarter that is an awful sign because then indianapolis is just going to run the ball run the ball run the ball carson wentz is going to get his little six yard completions and it won't matter. 
Carson Wentz has thrown for under 200 yards in six games this year, and they're 5-1 and one in those games. Their losses this year, I believe, are the Rams, the Titans twice, the Bucks, and then two other good teams that I can't think of off the top of my head. But they've only lost to good teams this year. They're 8-6. and six. They're a good team. So I think it's kind of perfect because the Cardinals were a disaster last week. They weren't that good against the Rams. It's like, okay, if you're going to sta- like stabilize the ship here, this is a really good team. I think an underrated team to do it against. Was that good enough? Did I do it? Are you you're ready? You're I'm ready warmed up. Tomorrow. I'm you're ready. Up. I'm prepared. <laughs> okay. I think I'll I think I'll do good. I'll try to make us proud, Kev. You made us proud last week. How'd that go? You were on there. What did I do? Oh, you were I on went the, on the round on the ball Wednesday round, round, table. round ball round table. Yeah. Yeah, I I talked about the Portland game. Oh, that's fun. It was easy. It's easy when they come off a nice win like that. Yeah, I, I we completely forgot to talk about the we talked enough already, but we didn't talk about Chris and DeAndre for those two games where they were amazing. And they were DeAndre, pretty good. Yeah, DeAndre's been like, if he plays like this for the next two months, he's going to be an all star. Yeah, he's been pretty awesome. All right, man, this was fun. Hopefully, we have basketball games to talk about on the next episode <laughs> with what we closed on. We'll see. Uh, I just want the Christmas game. Can we get the Christmas game, please? I want yeah. to cover a Christmas game. Can we just get to the Christmas All the game? Christmas games. Yeah, I'm. Look, if we have to watch Kessler Edwards versus whatever, I I'll watch. The TV is going to be on cr- basketball for Christmas. That's what we do around my household. You you heard? You hear me? People, it, it'll be a good day. Cardinals Colts. Are we are we podcasting before then? I have no idea. We'll figure it out. I don't think so. Okay. But yeah, Christmas, it should be fun. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we had to podcast because they're going to be missing. It's done, I don't know if Jordan Poole's going to get back out of protocols in time, but Andrew Wiggins is out too. So it's like they have half their team already. Or they have two of their four best players are missing, so it's already kind of a wash. For if a we don't too. have to podcast, which would be an emergency type situation, have a Merry Christmas if you do that type of thing. Yeah, happy holidays, everyone. Hope you uh, get to enjoy whatever you get enjoy around Any celebrating family holiday time. time. I think stockings are what I like the most. What What do you want in your stocking? My mom just goes to town, bro. She just <laughs> she just goes ham, and it's just always is it like, like a, candies, or is it like so? Like I, you get a flashlight and some like I don't know. It's always random stuff. It's yeah. candy and all that stuff, but it's always random stuff too. I think it's just fun though because you get to watch everyone else get their own personalized things, and it's it's elevated gift giving where it's like fifteen gifts in one of like. I love you, and this is how I know I love you because you really like Crunch a Bunch or whatever bunch of crunch whatever it's called you know what i mean i I love it with christmas music playing around the tree oh great can't wait hope everyone else is looking forward to it too or you already enjoyed it if you're listening to this after christmas that would be weird six days later but hey you do you person who's catch up on your podcast if you're that person what are you doing manage your time better bye